Greg Rubel with the special teams coordinator, safeties coach for the Cougars, Ed Lamb, in the first half hour of the show. BYU defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, with us for the second half hour from 12.30 to 1 o'clock. Setting it up, you get us every Monday, 12 to 1 on ESPN 960 and on the BYU Football Facebook Live page. And uh, once the show is done, catch it on demand on my Behind the Mic podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, every other place that you will go to find your podcast. So look for that. So you can hear us, you can see us, you can get us on demand. And we are with you Mondays, every Monday, 12 to 1. And we are at JCW's in Provo. All right, it is BYU coming off a big win over Toledo, 55-53, this past Friday at Lavelle Everett Stadium. Coach Ed Lamb with me, and we'll discuss that and other things here in, this, uh, in the first 30 minutes of the program today. Coach Lamb, first up, congratulations on uh, a well-earned W. You guys uh, I got the reward for your efforts. It came in typically wild fashion, but uh, you certainly earned it on Friday night. Yeah, and, and I think in some ways it maybe was exactly what our team needs overall, you know, for the offense to step up like that, really carry the victory um, through to the end, and, and for defense now to have a chip on their shoulder. And we got the game on a Friday night, which means we get a little extra rest. We haven't had that. Uh, this will be the first time in quite some time where we get uh, at least a day more than our opponent um, instead of having several uh, days, weeks fewer in preparation so i think i think uh really strong going into this week feel really strong we have things we need to take care of things we need to get better at but i know the resolve is there what do you think uh showed the most improvement uh and what do you think needs still more taking care of as you head into michigan state uh, i think offensively the way that our our players consistently move the ball did not turn it over to have that much to have 52 points or what was it 50, excuse me 53 Five. 55 55 yeah. points zero turnovers uh, to move the ball that much and that effectively was just outstanding effort by the offense. I think um, the special teams continue to play solid. We can definitely improve in the and become more dynamic in the return area. I think the effort is there, so a big part of that falls on me. I need to do a better job coaching, and I think in order to win tight games, to be more dynamic on the, in the return game, kickoff return and punt return will be important going forward. And then and then the easy one is defense. We've got to we've got to get better in every facet of our defense, stopping the run, putting them in obvious pass situations, and then going after and, and winning those pass situations. Well, 53 points allowed is a big number. In fact, it's the most ever allowed by BYU in a win, but it's in a win. And uh, Toledo's offense, I think you'll have to concede, is pretty legit. Absolutely. Yeah, credit. Give those guys a ton of credit. And they, they came out really fresh and on fire. And with a great game plan, they threw... Uh, uh, a pretty good percentage of, of their offense was based on a formation, um, a split that we had not seen before, and it gave our corners some trouble. It gave our, in both the run and the pass, I think it's easy for, you know, from even a fan's perspective to see that, that our corners struggled against the pass, but we also had some run fit uh, issues that, that, you know, we would like to have done a better job of preparing the guys for, and you know, it's just one of those things that coming off of a short week of preparation for us and two weeks of preparation for the opponent, uh, they threw in a little wrinkle in there, and, and we didn't adjust in time. The, uh, Cody Thompson, uh, who took a long one to the house on Friday, came into the game averaging 33 yards a catch on 11 grabs. It wasn't like he had only two or three, and he ends the night with the same basic average. He's sitting at 16 grabs for the year and around 33, 34 yards a catch. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah they, they do a really good job. I mean, the last two quarterbacks we've faced have really been uh, top top class in terms of putting the ball deep on the money in stride to their to their receivers and there's some things that we need to do better to to make sure that we counteract that and defend it better but i also have to give the the opponents credit yeah look at your first month um five teams five quarterbacks arizona's solomon is dinged up with a knee he's pretty good he might be a number five 
on the bunch in the first month. Troy Williams is going to be a good one for Utah. We see that. Uh, Rosen is Rosen. And then the Skyler Howard kid from West Virginia and Logan Woodside, um, remember me, the under-radar guys coming into the month, but they were as good as anybody you've seen or maybe you will see this year. Absolutely. And, and keeping things in perspective is important. You know, there's, there's never – we never want to be at the point mentally where we don't think we need to get any better. We certainly do. But there also needs to be a broader perspective that, you know, we're playing against you know, good opponents and to, to see – in hindsight, I think, to see in hindsight what some of these quarterbacks and teams have been able to do to other teams, at least should tell our guys, okay, well, let's focus on getting better, but let's not, let's not lose belief and confidence in what we can do. And those five games have certainly prepared BYU for what's to come here in the back half of the season. BYU is 2-3 and three after the win over Toledo. And interesting, Ed, uh, from your perspective as the special teams coordinator, the two wins have come on two last-second kicks by your guys and two different guys who until this year had never kicked a collegiate field goal. Yeah, yeah, great job by uh, Rhett this last week stepping up. And, of course, Jake in the, in the first week you know, took his opportunity and made good on it. But, uh, you know, the, the guy that was removed from the lineup to allow Jake to come in there was Rhett, who struggled a little bit in the first half of the Arizona game and, and put a field goal through, but it just it didn't look right and then, and then uh, hooked a PAT. But uh, my words to him at that time were, we're going to need you, so keep your head in it. And um, he is, he is every time he's been called upon since then, a, a big punt at Utah that he put up high in the air with hang time, and we were able to cause a fumble uh, because of that hang time and recover it. And then, and then he's been 100% on all of his kicks. And your kicker depth has been uh, well-tested, let's say, through five games. Yeah, it sure has. Yeah, we've used several guys on kickoff, uh, kind of pieced together a, a complete kickoff game plan there, and those, the guys covering the kicks have excelled. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like you say, we're we're into our two deep at PAT and field goal. But the nice thing about it is, both Jake and Rhett, they don't see themselves as as one or two. They just are stepping up and doing the job that's called upon them at the time it's called. You mentioned Rhett is perfect so far. You take away the the one fifty five yarder that was blocked, I think, in the UCLA game, um, and everything of a more makeable distance. You're eight for eight as a team. And there are only 12 guys in the country who have attempted at least five goal, uh, five field goals without missing yet, and Rhett's one of those guys right now. That's, that's outstanding for him. What a story and, and really a great example for anybody on the team. There's not very many guys on a football team that are playing as much as they'd like to. Everybody thinks they can play a little bigger role. Everybody thinks they can help the team be successful if they were just given a, little, uh, a few more touches or a few more snaps here or there. But uh, for a guy like Rhett to deliver at the time when we ask him to deliver, it's a great example for everybody. Rhett's field goal comes at the end of another uh, last-minute, one-minute, two-minute drive situation. It's happened every game for you guys where you've had to go down and score or be in a position to score late, and you guys have proven the ability in five weeks out of five to move the ball down the field at the end and give yourself a chance. Yeah, the, you know, like you just credit the, the offense hanging in there, also the leadership of Taysom and, and Jamal out there. That is a really tough two-minute offense to defend because you know, it, the more guys that you drop into pass coverage than the, the – uh, greater the chance that Taysom can burn you with his feet. And that's that's really what he's done. In each one of those drives, there's been kind of a key play where he has caught the defense in too much of a pass defense. And it's it's really tough to play, you know, to play against a, a two-minute offense with that type of quarterback. Would last week's uh, boot keep for the first down be one of those plays, do you yes, think? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's just, you know, that's the, a great uh, play call. And it was designed that time instead of just hit Taysom dropping back and, and realizing that there's not enough defenders for him. But uh, that was seen from up in the box. And, and I, you know, I, I'm on the offensive headset while the mm -hmm. offense is on the field so I could hear the thought processes going on. And it was actually about two or three plays before that when I think Steve Clark started 
um, telling Ty that look, there's an opportunity there when we when we want it, and so Ty saved it for the right time. And really, at I'll that say. point, it was a it was going to be a close field goal from that point on. Almost got in, turned the corner, was bumped out. First down, new set of downs, and gave you a different perspective there. And you needed a field goal at the end, but the way you guys were running it, Jamal in particular, there's probably a thought that we're going to be able to run this thing in. You had all your timeouts left. Yeah, absolutely. That was the discussion going in. Is you know we confidence in in the field goal range at this point but also we have enough time left where we should be able to get on the ball and and pound the ball forward and and if not get it closer score a touchdown and from a broader perspective logistics and managerial uh, you guys through five games have had enough last minute and late game scenarios to not have found yourselves short on timeouts or in a bad position managerially i think that part's been pretty good hasn't it yeah absolutely i, t- I told kalani you know in, in eight years of me being the head coach you've already had more situations than <laughs> i have so let's stop you know worried about me me uh, being there helping you out with these situations you're you're ready to go and he he also has i think he's starting to find the the ways in which he wants to attack late and work for two-for-one possessions against right. the opponent. But, by the way, Kai's uh, interception what made that a two-for-one for BYU there in the last four mm-hmm. minutes. We were looking at, at being on the on the low end of the possession battle there, and uh, that was a huge interception that flipped the dynamic and late clock management. And against a guy who at one point had completed, I think, 15 in a row, Woodside was really good. Kai made a big play at a huge time. And BYU, as a result, goes plus two in turnover margin on the night. Not coincidentally, BYU's two wins have come on plus two nights with zero turnovers. Yep, That's a, a number we always try to strive for offensively is zero, zero turnovers. And then defensively, we call them takeaways. You know, we, the, the offense turning it over is a passive term, so we want to call them takeaways and maximize those as much as possible. Two is actually significantly less than our goal, but uh, it was enough on the night. I don't want to hog all the Q&I time with uh, Coach Ed Lamb. Uh, you will get your questions in coming up in the next couple of segments. You can uh, send them in on Twitter using the hashtag CCBYU. That's for Coordinator's Corner, hashtag CCBYU, or on Facebook via the BYU Football Facebook Live uh, page. We are on Facebook Live every Monday from uh, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock. We're coming your way at JCW's in Provo. We are brought to you by Legend Solar. Don't settle for any solar provider. Go with the Legend. Schedule your free consultation at legendsolar.com and start saving today. A proud sponsor of BYU football. We are live at JCW's and this is the Coordinator's Corner on ESPN 960. We're back after this. Yes, JCW's, if you're looking for a place to take the family before or after the game, stop into JCW's with their huge menu of burgers, wings, salads, and my personal favorite, the ribeye sandwich. Everyone gets what they want. JCW's, the Burger Boys, uh, quality and a lot of it. We're in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, where we do our show, and South Jordan. Folks, welcome back to the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Greg Rubel with uh, BYU Special Teams Coordinator and Safeties Coach uh, Ed Lamb, BYU 55, Toledo 53. Last week's score, we've got to questions coming in via Twitter and Facebook Live. And uh, Coach Lamb, before we get to them, you mentioned uh, before the break that you were on the offensive headset late. And since you are an assistant head coach and over a kind of a number of different areas, do you find yourself listening in and, and partaking in, in all three of the discussions as the course may go uh, of the game, offense, defense, special teams, et cetera? Yeah, that's the key phrase, as the course may go. I, I'm, not, I'm not largely involved in offensive philosophy and game planning during the week. I mean, those, those guys have plenty of voices and plenty of experience. There, there maybe are times uh, passing in the hall where me or anybody else will just kind of uh, make an observation on the opponent and, and what we might be able to do. But during the game, yeah, they, the special teams – situation is is it's 
every situation that arises is critical to offense and defense and how to manage the game from a three-phase standpoint. So I need to be involved in, in whatever's going on on the field. Organizational question here. Uh, late in the game, Toledo was driving. They faced a fourth and four. Guy makes a reception on the sideline. Kalani's fairly confident the guy stepped out before yeah. he came back in, which creates an ineligible receiver, and the game's over at that point. Now, Ed's, or Kalani's aware of it and says to the official, he stepped out. Yeah. And I, th I think the way that Kalani told me was they told him they're looking at it. They're looking at yeah. it, uh, which they're supposed to do on every play. Um, and ultimately, the next play is snapped, and off we go. Yeah. Was there a conversation on the headset amongst the coaches there about what to do in that situation? You know, Kalani, I believe, was on the offensive headset at that time. I was not aware that the receiver had stepped out. Nor so was I, think, I, yeah. Yeah, I think the offensive coaches were more on top of that, and Kalani, I, I believe, was standing right in front of it, um, as we've talked about it later. So, yeah, it, 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 that's a tough one because it, – it, when the when the official is is giving you guidance and saying they're actually looking at it right now, coach, you don't want to burn that timeout uh, on the chance that that he hadn't stepped out of bounds and the and the review is not successful. So, I think you know any time what I've learned, and the officials actually train us when we when we go in the off season and visit with them. What I've learned is if if the official is standing right there and he has information that it's being reviewed, you know even if you knew it was out, the 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 question at that point becomes did a camera angle catch it accurately. Yep. And and so to go into that last drive for our offense with two timeouts instead of three would have been a whole different dynamic. So credit coach for you know being reserved in, in that situation and getting the information he had. And just uh, by by the book, uh, it is a reviewable situation. That particular scenario is covered in the instant replay casebook. Luckily, it didn't ended up, ended up being a boot point. But Kalani clearly was pretty adamant. He saw it right in front of him, and I guess if you look at the right angle afterward, it's rather clear that he did step out on his own volition. If you're forced out, you can't immediately come back in. If you're out on your own, you are ineligible. All right, thanks for covering that. Uh, from Ryan Benyon, a question in from uh, Twitter, uh, hashtag CCBYU. Curious what Coach Lamb does to prepare special teams on kick and punt returns compared to the past. He says it's spectacular every time. You said there's some work that needs to be done there, yet having said that, I think for the most part, people would say your return teams have, uh, have done well. Yeah, oh, I appreciate the compliment. No, I, I think um, that what we do, I, don't, I can't s say whether it's different than any time in the past, you know, because I, I wasn't here. I know that one thing that we do a really diligent job of, we work really hard at, is to make sure that the right players are on the field, and those guys are the ones that get it done. Good players make plays. Um, we've got, uh, I handle the, the main three phases of the special teams kickoff, and a punt and punt return, and then the, the fourth main phase of special teams kickoff return is handled by uh, J.D. Foslev and Harvey Unga, and they, they do a tremendous job. I you know, work with them, but they, they have a uh, final say on, on strategy and scheme design and also the personnel in the field. Now, kick and punt cover are part of special teams as well, and let's note that uh, BYU uh, through five weeks is top 25 in both, kickoff return defense and punt return defense 15th and in, in kickoff and 24th and punt it's the less glamorous part of special teams but the cover yeah. units take a lot of pride in what they do no doubt yeah, absolutely yep and and the uh you know it's always a good sign when the kickers consider themselves part of the coverage and our kickers do there's not a selfish uh, low trajectory punts and kickoffs going on to try to get distance because that's another statistic that we don't give a darn about is how how far the ball is punted or how far the ball is kicked we want net kickoff coverage and net punt uh, coverage and, and in those areas I think right now we're doing well and we'll strive to get better. And BYU top 50 in net punt right now as well and again that uh, takes into account not just distance which is always which it's not always what you want you're not yeah. after always the long kick. That's right yeah and, and several of our punts because of the way our offense has been able to move it out of our own end even when they're not successful scoring have been in the short area of the field so 
in in those situations we've probably given you know uh, given the opponent uh, some yardage that that we wouldn't normally give if we were punting from our own end. There was a there was a punt might have been a kick I can't remember kickoff or a punt. But um, a tackle was made on the sidelines, and I didn't get a clear look at the number of the tackler. But by the way the hit went, I guessed it was Kavika Fonua, yeah. and it was Kavika yeah. Fonua. He's already established himself as a guy that I can tell by the hit without seeing the number. Yeah, Kavika made a, he took a great shot on the guy, perfectly legal shot, inbounds and everything, but he unloaded everything he had and about stapled the guy to the, <laughs> to the bleachers over there in the first row and, and caused a fumble, too. I don't know if you saw, but the ball went popping up in the air, and of course it was out of bounds, and so it didn't count. I don't even know if it counted as a fumble on the stats but I certainly counted it on my stats it was a great job by him did it not take very long for him to jump out to you as somebody that that would excel in special teams cover oh it, yeah it did and, and generally safeties are like that and he was working at safety in the spring so I got a chance to work with him directly and then thought you know he's got some physicality and we're a little sh more shallow in the depth chart at linebacker so we talked about as a staff moving him to linebacker but I didn't lose track of him as far as being a coverage player and a key guy on special teams. A uh, question by, uh, from Jordan Naylor via Twitter, hashtag CCBYU before we take our break. We're with Coach Ed Lamb, and he asks, how does Coach Lamb motivate players who only play special teams? Public accountability is, is my biggest thing, both positively and negatively. So I, I really um, made a, a request that was important to me that the whole team meet when we do special teams. And, and some, some units, some special teams units meet for 45 minutes to an hour. We've got down, ours at down to 15 minutes, but the key is is, is Taysom Hill and, and Jamal Williams and, and all the guys on the team that get a lot of the credit, they're sitting right there watching our coverage guys run down the field. So uh, now are we talking about using the team room for special teams meeting yes. and the whole team being The there? whole team is there and all the coaches, and it's a, it's, an, it's a time where we celebrate what's going good, and, and if a guy makes a mistake, everybody needs to know about it. But mm -hmm. everybody on this team knows about how many yards Jamal rushes for or how many passes uh, Taysom completes and, and things like that. But what, what's really important is when the special teams guys feel that same type of team camaraderie behind them and accountability both positively and negatively. So you don't keep them all day. The meeting's short enough that they, no one feels beleaguered, but they all get to see what you guys are doing in that very special, important part of the team. Yeah, it's very important to them to stand out and make a significant contribution. When did you start doing that? Um, you know, I started I, when, when I was working with Jim Harbaugh, he would send me out uh, usually multiple times per year to visit with John, who was the special teams coordinator for the Eagles at that time, Philadelphia Eagles. And John Harbaugh told me at that time, he said, whatever you need to do, however many minutes you need to shave off the special teams meeting, make sure that the whole team is there. Hmm. And uh, it's just something I carried with me at that point. Good stuff. Uh, we are talking with BYU's special teams coordinator and safeties coach Ed Lamb. We've got defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki coming up at the bottom of the hour. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Legend Solar, proud to sponsor BYU football. Schedule your free consultation today and find out how much you could save at legendsolar.com, a SunPower Elite dealer. We are on ESPN 960. We are on BYU Football Facebook Live. We'll be on the Greg Rubel BYU Behind the Mic podcast feed after the show. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. Back with more after this at JCW's in Provo. Coach Lamb, Michigan State uh, this Saturday. And for the a third straight week, it's a first-time opponent, so no previous film to go off of or previous experiences. Uh, your initial impressions of a 2-2 two and two Spartan team, uh, which has lost to Wisconsin and now Indiana in back-to-back -back weeks. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about their record is they're taking everybody's best shot. Um, and that's you know, when that team has finished, I think, in the top five in the country for three or four years in a row. I mean, that, that's what they're going to get. Every every team on their schedule is looking forward to this game against uh, – looking forward to their game against Michigan State. So they take everybody's best shot. They've, they've had a couple of uh, close losses. The final score of their game versus Wisconsin because of some late turnovers and things wasn't close. But 
They're very capable. They can beat anybody in the country. They've got a great uh, rushing attack behind a big offensive line. They've got a quarterback who's very athletic. He can make all facets of the game work. Um, they've got uh, defensively, they are one of these teams that uh, teams from all over the country come in to study the way that they play defense, the system that they use, the way that they play it, the techniques that they use, and they've reloaded on that side of the ball. It's a, it's a real challenge for us, and yet I feel very confident about our ability to go there, play well, and get a win. They play in almost every Big Ten title game, it seems like. Uh, this year may or may not be a chore to get back there. But uh, that, you know, Ohio State gets a lot of attention. Wisconsin gets a lot of attention. And uh, Michigan State's right there with them. They sure are. Yeah, they're as good as – have been as good as anybody in the country the last few years. And so it's – for our guys, it's, it's why we – it's why they choose BYU. It's why we aspire to play the very best schedule we can play. It's exciting for our players. It's exciting for our coaches. Hopefully it's exciting for our fans. And it's a great opportunity. First ever trip to East Lansing, Michigan for BYU, and it'll be a 1.30 Mountain Time kick. The game will be on ABC. We found that out today. So it's an ABC Network game on TV. And catch us on the radio, of course. Our, our pregame starts at 11.30 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning. Uh, coach coming in, uh, question coming in on Twitter for Coach Lamb. Do you ever take schemes or plays from opponents? If so, what would make Toledo's offense so dynamic that uh, BYU might want to adopt or look at? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I think everybody does that. It's um, you know usually on a situation like that where it would be taking something from an opponent's offense. You know, Ty Detmer doesn't really study Toledo's offense, but uh, we do, and and so we we would say in passing or maybe just over lunch, hey, here's something that really gave us some problems in this particular coverage or in this particular front, and then and then Ty may ask some follow up questions on that, and they and they would do the same for us because we know. Obviously, we know our offensive system well on the defensive side of the ball, and our, de our offensive coaches know our defensive system well enough that if we can find some problematic schemes, then uh, to share that across the hallway, I think is, it's a diligent and worthwhile exercise. Hashtag CCBYU. Derek asking a question. Now, Toledo passed for a school record 505 uh, on Friday. He asks, uh, was West Virginia and Toledo's passing success against BYU due to a pass rush or lack thereof, coverage or a combination of both, or do you simply discredit the opponent and really good quarterbacks for having good days? It's, it's always a combination of all those things. And I'll say, in addition, you know, as coaches, we, you know, any time that we're not successful, we have to look at, at our plays and our schemes and the opponent, but also us. What could we do differently as coaches? There's always something that our players could do and execute a little bit better, and there's always something that as coaches we can do and execute a little bit better. We can always get a little better pass rush. We can always cover a little tighter and credit the opponent. You're going to hit the halfway point of the regular season this Saturday against Michigan State. So we're almost at the halfway pole. Uh, considering opponents you've played, uh, challenges overcome, injury issues, how do you kind of assess uh, your level of um, uh, either uh, satisfaction, contentedness, or just uh, uh, pride in how your team has performed through five games, Ed? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I, that's, I think I've learned that that's almost impossible to do at this point in the season. It is just it is so one moment to the next, trying to do the very best job we can do. I can tell you that the, the thing that I focus on the most as far as satisfaction, I think, was the, was the word in the question that stood out to me. Right now, I'm, I'm really enjoying the guys that I work with on the team, you know, the, on the special teams relationships, the, the defensive relationships, the guys in the, in the staff room that I'm working with. I'm just enjoying every part of the program, and I want, to be, I want to do everything I can to help us be more successful in every single phase that we can be more successful in.
Well, I know BYU fans are glad that you are part of the coaching equation on this team, and that goes for Coach Tuiaki come, coming next. And uh, everyone out there in Cougar Nation wants so badly and so much for this staff to succeed with these players because of how you guys have put your efforts into uh, what we've seen through through five games. I'm glad we get this time to talk every week. I learn a lot from you, and uh, thanks for another week on the show. We'll do it again next Monday. Thank you, Greg. All right, that is Ed Lamb. We'll take a break. We've got Elisha Tuiaki coming up next on the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. It is our second half of the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner here at JCW's. Welcome to the program, BYU fans. Cougar Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. Coach E with us. From 12.30 to 1 o'clock, our thanks again to Coach Ed Lamb for uh, joining us in the first half hour. Uh, Coach E getting the back half hour, and BYU is a winner over Toledo, 55-53. Friday night, it's now BYU at Michigan State. Uh, Coach Tuiaki, congratulations to you and the guys on, uh, on a win that uh, was a few weeks in coming. Had to feel really good on Friday night. <laughs> it, it, was, it was great that the offense showed up, you know, and we – we uh, had our issues on defense, but uh, it, was, it was a good team win just because of the offense. And we, you know, I went up after the game and hugged every single one of the offensive coaches and told them thank you because they, they showed up, and they showed up in a, in a big way. Toledo puts up almost 700 yards, scores 53, yet has to walk away uh, with the L on that night because it is a team game, and it's always going to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, this defense had its struggles, but against... A pretty good offense. I don't think we're going to see Toledo struggle with too many teams uh, this season to put up yards or points. You tip your hat, don't you? They were they were really good, really good at what they did. Um, you know, we got exposed in certain certain situations and certain places. And just didn't play fundamentally found uh, sound. Um, and so, you know, they took advantage of it, and so we, we paid for that. Okay, you're results-oriented. The win's the most important thing, but when you guys got together as a group um, or get together as a group, what are the things that you're going to be most focused on moving forward coming out of Friday? You know, the, the discussion with the defense as well as the whole team, at least for us on the defensive side, is, you know, we first sat down and talked to the coaching staff as, as far as uh, addressing what, you know, were the things that we probably shouldn't have been doing the things that we were reaching a little bit too far to do and and uh you know three things that i talked to defense about was number one normally when you have games like this you have your players aren't good enough right and that's not the case and so we basically put that one to rest and say okay that's not the reason second reason is you're not you're not bought in right you're not doing exactly what you're asked to do and that's really a question that they've got to answer for themselves but i, I don't think there's an issue with that but I think there's an issue with the third one, which is we're not disciplined enough, and so we've just got to be a, we got we got to be better uh, at uh, you know with the fundamentals. You got to show more discipline when um, you know when it calls for it. You've got to do your job instead of doing somebody else's, and that showed up a couple of weeks. And so we've got to address it as coaches and, and uh, you know make it right. So what's an example of lack of defensive discipline? You know, tackling. You know, tackling was an issue, but also um, you know doing your job. You know, so, uh, and not somebody else's? Not or? somebody else's. You know, Butch, Butch not being out there might have been, uh, you know, not as comfortable for Francis and Fred. And I thought Fred played well, but Francis, you know, might have been trying a little bit too hard at doing somebody else's job instead of doing his. And, and that ends up going, uh, you know, all the way around. D-Lime's got to do their job. And, and so every, every uh, aspect of, of everyone's position fits, as, fits like a puzzle, right? You, it doesn't matter who's covering. If you can't get to the quarterback, then then it doesn't work. And so d line has got to do their deal. The secondary's got to tighten up. Packers got to do a better job. And then we got to start, for, you know, coaches got to do a better job coaching and demanding more. In terms of uh, the progress in creating defensive havoc in the backfield, where are you right now as a defense? You know, um, th there's a lot of negative feelings coming from a game like that where you give up a million yards. But 
looking back, there's still improvement. You know, they're, they're, we're, we're making strides and there's improvements, but it's just not consistent enough. And it's not down to down, which, uh, you know, great defenses are always consistent. And so we, we've got flashes of guys doing really good things and guys doing explosive things and a lot of athleticism, but it's just not consistent enough. And, you know, when you're playing good teams, like especially an offense like that, they're, they're going to take advantage of when you're not do, you, uh, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so we just got to be more consistent at it. Um, you know, and talk to the coaches. We've got to be more consistent as coaches and demanding it, you know, day in, day out, and, and not just on the field, but off the field you know perfection isn't something that's just on the field it's 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 a it's throughout your life and, and we've got to demand it more out of our guys coach e elisa tuiaki is with us here on the coordinator's corner you can reach us on twitter with your questions at hashtag cc byu you can reach us on uh, byu football's facebook live page we're on facebook live via the football facebook page and we've got a question on facebook live from uh, dan nelson who wants an injury update if you could give us possibly one on on butch Pau. and let's just note right now on all three levels of the defense, D-line, it's been Travis Tuiloma. You're trying to ease back in. In linebackers, you've got uh, Butch dealing with his situation. Johnny Tapasoa has been out. Grant Jones has been out. And then in the secondary, Troy Warner uh, has been dinged, as well as uh, as well as well uh, Jacob Hanneman. Uh, so, or uh, Micah Hanneman, beg your pardon. And so you've really been hit in all three areas with some pretty big playmakers so far, haven't you? Yeah. And, and you know, it's the next guy's got to step up. And so... We can't we can't be um, stuck in the game of guys were missing and all that stuff. The next guy's got to show up. The next guy's got to do his job. And uh, but you know you you definitely feel when you're missing a couple of those guys that have made plays in the past. Update on Butch. Can you give us anything there? You have to ask Kalani on that one. Okay. Don't really talk about injuries. We'll just hope, we'll hope for the best. Yeah. Week yeah, to week with yeah, him. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, question uh, for Coach E coming from our friend uh, Preston Norton. And uh, Preston uh, says with uh, Kalani. Uh, saying that um, uh, Butch wanted to play versus Toledo, what does that kind of say about who he is and how I mean, how soon he does get back? Yeah, he's a tough kid. He's a tough kid, and he'll, um, you know, he'll give everything that he's got for the team, and and he's just that type of player. But we've got to make sure that we're we're protecting him before he goes out and gets himself hurt again, you know. But and you may he, have learned. Do you, you learn something with Troy in that respect? Uh, Troy tried to get himself right back in and may have taken a step back. Yeah. And yep. Yep. And it's. You know, those guys come back from injuries. You just got to make sure that we're we've got to protect them. You know, and I and I think that uh, those kids are all tough. They want to get out there. They want to play. They want to be in the moment. But the truth is, you know, them at 60% is just not as good as the uh, the backup at 100%. So we just got to trust that those guys will come up and do it and uh, give them time to get back. You talk about next guy up, and a number of times this year, it's the next five or six guys up in a particular play. You've been doing some hockey line changes this year <laughs> where it's a bunch of guys out and a bunch of guys in. Yeah, spe especially against those fast, you know, no huddle, uh, fast tempo offenses. You've seen a lot of, yeah. It's uh, You've got to keep them fresh. And, you know, once you, once you lose a defensive lineman or a linebacker to fatigue and, and uh, you know, just cramping, you don't get those guys back until two hours after the game. They really start to feel better. And so... We've got to make sure that we keep them fresh and the next guy's got to play. A lot of guys who played up front in particular, uh, Trajan Peely gets in this last week and makes a play from behind on the quarterback. Uh, quarterback proud or running back, I yeah. forget, but a big play. Yeah, absolutely. He got a sack. He got a sack. And so proud of him. In the way, I mean, he didn't get very many reps in practice. There's so many reps to go around to, to your depth guys. And, you know, he was uh, when his number was called, he went in. And it, that's a prime example of don't, don't count your reps. Make your reps count. Good. Very, very proud of what Trajan did. Good stuff. Uh, right before the break, uh, Derek Hill on Twitter using the hashtag CCBYU. What is the biggest challenge that you think Michigan State will present to your defense? I think they do a really good job running the ball, you know, and keeping th and keeping themselves in, in short, manageable 
distances, you know, second and short, third and short, and I think it becomes harder for a defense to call plays. You know, instead of third and long, now you're dealing with uh, keeping the playbook completely open um, versus knowing that it's going to be a pass. And uh, they do a really good job with that, mixing, thin up, okay. mixing things up. It is BYU-Michigan State on Saturday, 11.30 a.m. for the radio pregame with a 1.30 kick. If you want to listen to the game, that's where you get it on the radio, and then uh, you can see it on uh, ABC. So we'll be on KSL Radio, BYU Radio, uh, TuneIn.com, the TuneIn app, the BYU Cougars app, lots of ways to hear us, and then see it on ABC Saturday from East Lansing. Legend Solar is the official solar provider of BYU Athletics. Schedule your free solar consultation and own your own power today at LegendSolar.com, a SunPower Elite dealer. This is the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner from JCW's in Provo. We're back with Coach E after this. It is time for today's I Am Flash flashback, brought to you by I Am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. Saturday's game against uh, Michigan State will be played on October 8th. It was October 8th, 2005, when coming off a 1-3 and three start to the season, BYU traveled to Albuquerque and trailing New Mexico 24-13 entering the fourth quarter. The Cougars rallied for a 27-24 win, first win in a stretch of five wins in six games as the Cougars rallied from their rough start to go on to qualify for a bowl game after a three-year postseason drought. That is today's I Am Flash flashback. I Am Flash making memory that makes the world mobile. Welcome back to the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We are coming to you live from JCW's here in Provo. BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki with us until uh, the top of the hour. And again, you catch us every Monday, 12 to 1, right here on ESPN 960 and on the BYU football Facebook page via Facebook Live. Uh, back to Twitter using the hashtag CCBYU for Coach E. says, how are the guys holding up with the amount of traveling BYU is doing? And you go back east again here on the weekend. And are you excited about all, all the home games that are eventually coming? Yeah, you know, that uh, going into the season, you knew that it was going to be a, a, a good hard schedule um personally i didn't really take into account all the traveling and and i you know it's you'd like to say oh it doesn't matter but uh it, it does start to take a toll on you you know arizona we got back at five in the morning on sunday and you go out east and you come back and you play a short short uh, a game on a short week it's just uh you know the i think it starts to add up but uh the the, the truth is and the bottom line is that it doesn't matter, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I, I know that uh, starts to take a toll. So we've got to do a good job, um, you know, as coaching staff to make sure that we, we keep these guys prepped and keep our plans nice and tight so that they can play fast and, and uh, allow them to, to get their bodies back as well, especially after, you know, games that have really gone all the way down to the wire. If there's any positive this week with the travel, it's that you at least get an extra day. You played Friday night. Uh, Michigan State played Saturday. They were also on the road, although closer to home. It's at least one more day of prep right, before you right. travel. And every day counts. Every day counts. And so be excited to get the kids back and uh, get them rolling for this next week. Okay. Uh, we go back to Twitter. Hashtag CCBYU at NYMRSA is his handle. He tweets in. Uh, what are your plans to improve a pressure on opposing quarterbacks? Is it kind of an injury personnel issue right now, or do you need the line executing at a higher level? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, um, the one thing that you everybody knows is when you when you send more people, you're you're a little bit more um, you're lighter in the coverage. And so, I think against this quarterback, I thought he did a good this this last game. He did a really good job getting rid of the ball. And so later on in the game, we we started to go a little bit more coverage and less less uh, pass rush, and that's what. Ended up getting uh, who's it? Kind of cool. Got his his pick off of that. It was just a little bit more coverage. And so we've got to we've got to gauge it game to game in the middle of the game. Of as far as if we send more pressure, is it going to make a difference, or are we just putting more more uh, strain on the on the coverage? And if so, then we'll just go back in more coverage. And so I think that's a more 
game to game type thing as we as we start to fill it out. Kai, by the way, uh, leads the nation in uh, interceptions with four, and uh, BYU as a team is fourth nationally in picks with nine through five games so far. That's a good number. That's good. That's good. We've got to get more. <laughs> BYU is 16th overall in turnover margin when you factor in all the takeaways and, and, and uh, the giveaways for BYU and top 20 in turnover margin. Again, it's a pretty solid number. Um, question coming in from Facebook because we are on BYU Football Facebook page, Facebook Live. Interesting, and I'll preface this question with the comment that uh, you'll be down a D lineman, Saitao 2, for the first half in East Lansing on a targeting ejection. Michigan State will be down. It's stud D tackle Malik McKinley for the first half on a targeting ejection. He's really likely an NFL guy here, maybe even a top 10 guy. He's legit. He'll be gone for the first half as well. So that's the preface to this question from Aaron Molef on Facebook. Have the targeting calls caused your defensive players any second guessing on tackling? You know, I, I thought, you know, talk, talking to Sly after, he made a conscious decision to try to make sure that he was hitting, um, putting hit the, screws of his the, the screws of his helmet uh, on, his, on his chin um, and I guess he's got to go lower. But now you can't forcibly hit a quarterback uh, below the waist. And so I just think uh, it, it slows him down a little bit. And, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I think it does kind of slow him down a little bit as far as just trying to make good decisions. And, uh, you know, there, there's just a lot more that goes into it now. You know, we teach our guys to get close enough in, in target range and throw. Um, but now you're, you're basically going to have to slow down. And I think it, it uh, puts your shoulders at injury now injury prone because uh, when you say throw what do you what are you talking about technique wise well you, you you get close enough i mean you're not just going to sit there and catch anymore you're going to you're going to strike right through them and so with the way that we're doing it um and us having to change the target area i think that it uh it, it just uh it's not good for guys on their shoulders it's not good for guys on their necks and everything on the t on the tacklers and you know i think you're protecting the runner but the tacklers are going to start. You're going to probably start seeing a lot more shoulder injuries and stuff like that. And we just don't want to see that, you know. And so, um, I don't think anything changes for us as far as uh, um, the way that we're coaching it. You know, we've had a couple of targeting calls. Some of them were close, and some of them might have been. But we just got to keep coaching, uh, coaching, coaching it in detail, and just hope they make good decisions when they get that close. It's hard to make that decision when you're when you're the guy making the play. Back to Facebook. A question coming in from Mike Farns says it seemed like Diane Lake had a breakout game. What were your impressions of his performance? And before you answer, we'll tell you he uh, led the team in tackles with nine, solos with eight, uh, had his first career pick. And of all the corners on the roster currently, that's the first corner, INT. Mm. And we, we teased uh, Diane after the game. I felt bad for Mike Davis. He's been at this a lot longer than Diane, <laughs> and he got his first before Mike's gotten his first. But a nice play by Diane. He did a really good job. And he came in, and, and he played well. Um, you know, play, played with technique and, and did his deal, and so we're proud about the way that he showed up. I, I don't know that he had any first-half snaps. I seem to recognize him a lot more in the second half than the first. In a half a game, he did he did uh, did some work for you. He did a really good job, especially for only playing that many snaps. I mean, really, really productive. And like so you said, don't count your snaps. Make your snaps count. It's, it's the same thing with Trajan. Like, Trajan's going to play more, <laughs> and so will so Diane. Brandon McGarry, before the break, uh, references something that maybe you hit on a little earlier, maybe a little more detail on what are you most focused on stopping or limiting against Michigan State from what you've seen? You know, every single – I mean, th these guys just threw for a million yards against this Toledo. But uh, you go back, they still ran the ball on us, you know, and, th and that um, – it, it pro probably sounds weird just because we gave up so many passing yards. But, you know, we, play we played some – some tight coverages we ended up getting beat a couple of times bad technique we got to do a better job with that but um you know 
getting in getting in the, uh, the situations that they were in where they're able to still throw and pass is really what I think is is hurting us. Where uh, we've got to do a good job stopping the run. We can't give them give them you know nickels and dimes on first and second down. We've got to keep them in, in second and long, and that's the, the the defense is built for us to be in second and third and long. And we give up too much on first down. E, you talked about uh, going to all the offensive staff and hugging them after the game. Are you the kind of guy? That where it's just a little bit harder to enjoy the win if the defense hasn't played to your expectations, or do you just say, "Hey, it's all about just win, baby"? It, it's both for me. You know, I, I I I'm super ecstatic that we've won, and uh, the, some of those kids. I mean, Jamal. You know, what I mean, I'm really really excited and happy about about the performance, individual performances on the offense, and just even on defense. I mean, the two the two takeaways that we had, Harvey Longy was was really the the reason why that happened. And so he's starting to, to really play a role in, in being disruptive on the defensive line. And, but, uh, you know, obviously you're never happy if you give up that many points and that many yards. Okay, but l let's, put your, l let's put you in the, uh, in the Toledo defensive coordinator's shoes for a moment. BYU just put up 586 and got the win, and Jamal ran for a school record on that night. If you were their guy and any guy moving forward, how tough is BYU, though, when they go like that to stop? Oh, it's... It's degrading if you're getting run for that for that much. I'll tell you that much right now. I mean, we ended up giving up 170, 180 rushing, and it's you know it doesn't feel good, and, and the passing yards obviously is not good. And but BYU runs for 340. But but they, I mean that that's degrading. If you get run on that for that much, I don't care who you are and where you're coaching. High school pop Warner, that's degrading. <laughs> that's degrading for a defensive guy. You got to make sure you stop the run. You know. And BYU is a handful right now, considering that. Uh, Two guys in the backfield, Taysom and Jamal, are both among the top ten in, in BYU history at running it. And as Taysom showed, he doesn't have to get runs called for him every time. To still, because then when you do trot it out, when you do call that that boot, you know, late in the game, it's a great play call and someone who can still get it done for you. Absolutely, it's it's fun watching those. I mean, those guys, offense, the the way the O line played. I mean, it was. It was fun to watch on the sideline while we were trying to figure out what to do on defense. <laughs> Not too many backs get 30 carries a game anymore, and Jamal was that guy uh, Friday for you. He is a horse right now. Workhorse, workhorse. Fun to watch, great attitude. I mean, he's, he's going to have a bright career. And, and let's also credit uh, Toledo's two backs, three and two, number three, number two, both played well. Yeah. And, and, again, I, I just thought it was one of the best attacks BYU's going to see in scheme and otherwise this year. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Our final segment with Coach Elias Tuiaki, BYU's defensive coordinator, on the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We're at JCW's in Provo. Great to have you here and tuning in on ESPN 960 and Facebook Live. Final segment of the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We are back at JCW's in Provo. We invite you to join us on Mondays from uh, 12 to 1, whether you tune in to us on ESPN 960 or the BYU Football Facebook page or come into the show. Uh, when we've got the show going here from uh, 12 to 1, uh, the mini Oreo shakes are $2 here and at every JCW's in Utah. That's a heck of a deal. When we say mini, they're, never, they're not that small. Okay, uh, A mini shake at JCW's is pretty sizable. Just keep that in mind. But that deal is available every Monday from uh, 12 to 1. Greg Rubel with BYU's defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki. It is BYU and Michigan State uh, Saturday in East Lansing. Uh, Big Ten football, E, uh, kind of is a brand, um, and they play a certain style uh, of football. How do you characterize it as uh, someone who's been coaching at the P5 level for some time now? I think it's uh, power ball, you know. It's power football, and so everybody's big. Everybody wants to establish the run and run the ball. You don't find too many of those uh, those spread schemes and um, where, where teams are, are trying to run the quarterback and go four wides and all that. I mean, they line up and play. And you know, I had a couple of buddies that went up in Wisconsin, and, and they said, 
that was the probably the biggest difference is everybody has old linemen and everybody has D linemen and they're all good. And so I think uh, you know when we're going in, we've got to make sure that we've got our big boy pants on and be ready for a fight, especially in the trenches. BYU went to Madison a couple of seasons ago, and my recollection is that was one of the most physically punishing games BYU's played. A lot of guys got banged up, and it's just, a, again, it's just that grinder style with a lot of guys that can do it um, with depth as well at that right, level, especially right. in the trenches. Yep. Uh, Nate Trainer on uh, BYU Football's Facebook page, as we are on Facebook Live, asks, says, it seems like Fred Warner is playing a lot of coverage on passing downs. Um, any thoughts, or do you get him more involved in rushing the quarterback? And maybe just uh, about how Fred's playing generally overall right now for you. Fred, Fred's playing really, really well. Um, you know, he's he's gotten player of the game twice, and uh, he's he's played like what you know what we consider a champion. He's played like a champion almost every single week, and so he's been consi he's been consistent. Really love love the way that he's playing, and uh, you know, the, really the schemes and all that stuff. Um, trying to figure out what personnel to blitz and all that rather have Francis Bernard blitzing and, and Fred covering than, than the other way around. You know, and then obviously there's other times where they'll both go, but uh, what really what it comes down to is we think that he's one of our better cover guys as far as backers, so we just let him do what he's really good at. And uh, Fred has been uh, very good through five games and to be one of the best linebackers, I think, uh, in recent memory when, when, he's all, when he's all done with things. You said player of the game. Um, do you as a defensive unit um, vote on that every week? And we do. Is that an award that goes out? Do you mention it publicly or not publicly, but at least in meetings? How's that we go? We do, yeah. It's, uh, every, every team meeting on Monday, we get together and offense, defense, special teams, they'll all announce the guys that played like champions. You know, you play like this, we'll win a championship. Guys that are uh, player of the week as well as scout player of the week. And uh, Fred's gotten it twice. You know, this week, you know, for reasons uh, I don't need to mention, there was no player of the game or uh, champions on defense. And I think the offense ended up doing that a couple weeks back. And it's just really you got to set the standard and let them know. You gave up that many yards and that many points, you're, you're not going to win any championship. And so, or if you don't score enough on offense, exactly, vice versa. exactly. And so, we've uh, we've got to make sure we hold the guys to the standard. And they know, and they agree that there shouldn't be a player of the game or any of that. But uh, you know, this week we didn't have any on defense. So, in addition to winning, one of your expectations is to hopefully be able to give a player of the game on Monday. Absolutely, so that somebody stood out. Absolutely. Now, again, I mentioned the the picks a moment ago, and BYU is fourth nationally in INTs, and Kainakua. He's a playmaker, and right. he's kind of established himself as that. You acknowledge that part of it, though, the fact that he's making big plays at big times for you, right? right? Absolutely. He's a guy that shows up when, uh, when we need him. Very, very savvy football player. Uh, he, since the year 2000, no one's picked off more passes than Kai. And it's not just the play, it's when they're made. And last week's play uh, was crucial when it came and helped BYU get that win 55-53. to All right, it is BYU at Michigan State. It'll be a Saturday, 11.30 a.m. for the radio pregame and 1.30 for the kick. Watch it on ABC, hear it on KSL Radio, BYU Radio, all the apps, the BYU Cougars app, the BYU Radio app, and on TuneIn.com as well. Coach Tuiaki, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again. Thank you very much. All right, that is BYU Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, and this has been the Legend Solar Coordinator's Corner. We'll talk to you next week from JCW's in Provo. So long.